I wanted to have a couple of employees and I just wanted to make a living. So no big dream beyond that. And within a year, we had doubled the revenue that I had hoped to do at the end of two or three years. And so I started to realize, wow, there's a real market for this. And I think that's where it all began. Welcome to Made It Happen podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Hafling. Made It Happen is a podcast series highlighting female founders who took a chance and launched their own business. This is our We Rise segment in partnership with Rise Windsor Essex, where we will be bringing you stories of local female entrepreneurs in the Windsor Essex area, sharing their stories of how they built their business and how they made it happen. So I just want to start off by saying thank you so much for joining me here today, Maureen. And I'm so excited to hear about your background in business and your journey as an entrepreneur, as well as helping other entrepreneurs. Yeah, thanks. It's nice to be here with you as well. So how about we start off with having you just tell us a little bit about yourself and your background in business. Sure. So um, very interesting. I worked for companies, many different companies through the years. I was actually a bit of a job hopper. So it was interesting that I got into the recruitment industry. Um, So really had a hard time kind of figuring out what I wanted to do. Um, But I worked for eventually for a multinational staffing firm. And I loved what I did every day. I enjoyed the work, the people, the companies, the businesses. And so as you're working, and I think a lot of people go through this, I'm not an entrepreneur, you know, by um, family. It's not something that was handed down. And I never really thought about going out into business for myself. But I was discontent with where I was working, with their policies and procedures, with how they did things. And I couldn't help thinking that I could do it better. And I think for a lot of people that want to start a business, that's how it starts. The idea that maybe you can do it better. In addition to that, when you're working 50, 60, 70 hours a week, you think, well, if I'm going to work that much, why not work for myself? So all of those things kind of started building up inside of me, but um, I was mature. I had a family. I had a great benefit and pension package. And so walking away from those things to start a business when you're not really an entrepreneur is a hard thing to do. But I think sometimes things just happen and I got pushed to that point where I thought I'm gonna do it and started planning all the pieces of it. And when I went into business, I did it knowing that I was going to become a competitor to the industry I was in. And I went to them and said, this is it, I'm going to go into business. I'm not taking your business. I'm gonna do things honestly and ethically. And so, That was really the start of it. Um, My goal, I think the dream, was just to work for myself and do things the best I could in a community, small community, Windsor. I wanted to have a couple of employees and I just wanted to make a living. So no big dream beyond that. And within a year, we had doubled the revenue that I had hoped to do at the end of two or three years. And so I started to realize, wow, There's a real market for this. And I think that's where it all began. It was so exciting. Every minute of opening and, you know, doing your first um, press release to announce your business, it's really an exciting thing. And I documented it and kept track of everything, every article. So it's just, it was really, really fun and really, really hard work, but it was all very worthwhile. 
Wow. Yeah, it's it's incredible. And I mean, um, it's interesting sort of, you know, hearing how it all came together. And you said within the first year, you know, you had, it already exceeded the expectations. What do you think it was sort of that really led to that, you know, quick growth of it, um, of the company? Well, I, it, I mean, a couple of things that I identified afterwards or years later, I thought it was because we did what we did well, that people referred us, that we are honest and ethical, and that people knew what to expect of us. And so that did have something to do with it, but it was also having contacts. And I think for a lot of businesses, creating um, a good contact list, people that know you, that want to do business with you, I think those things are really important. The second thing is that being able to um, have lend expertise. And so to me, if you're in business and you do things not well or make mistakes, that information spreads like wildfire. So ensuring that you have a really good business model, that you really have a good you know, customer service uh, model or plan, all of those things I think are what contributed uh, to us growing very quickly. But what I found out in later years, which was even more interesting to me, because I thought, well, now that I've built it, I can rebuild it. And so I went on to open London, thinking the same rules would apply. If you're really good at what you do and really honest and ethical, that business will come. And I was two and a half years into it and struggling to make that branch um, profitable. And so I had to really rethink what I understood to be the reason why we were successful and that I had not done really good market research and that I didn't really understand or know my market. So um, that was the difference that in Windsor, I had those things and I knew those things innately. So I learned what I didn't know by opening a second location. And then as we opened the third and fourth, we got better at doing those things as well. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a great point because a lot of people don't think about that beforehand, and but you don't know until you get there. And so you have to learn as you go. And it, you said before, you know, when before you even started the business, you know, you didn't really have any any background in entrepreneurship or family in entrepreneurship. So do you want to tell us a little bit about, you know, how you really started up that business in the beginning? Mm-hmm. Well, it helps. And so a lot of people starting businesses are starting from scratch and they don't really have the background or the history in that industry. So it's harder. So having worked for 12 years in the industry, I understood the business. And so that's super helpful. Also being mature, I had a lot of life experiences, had a lot of contacts, and I didn't have some of the struggles that younger entrepreneurs will have. And so for me, I thought I had all the components figured out what I needed to start a business. And um, it's different managing uh, a branch of an organization than running your own business in many, many ways. Um, I never really thought about payroll or accounting. Uh, I wasn't an accounting person or a payroll person and never really understood that because we had somebody in head office doing it for us, how important a job it was. And so I learned a lot in that first, I learned how to do payroll and I learned how to do accounting. Like you learn how to do everything because there's a need there, but it also makes you better because then you understand your expectations of your team as you start to pass those jobs on to other people to perform for you. So it, to me, it was a leap of faith. I think you have to be a bit of a risk taker. And I was, and I had a big belief in myself that I know I can do this 
job. I know I'm good at it. And so all of those things help you to make the decision, but the barriers and the things that you encounter when you start a business, I don't think anybody's ever really ready for because you just don't know what you don't know. So the great thing is I had um, a lot of customers really quickly. In my business, that meant I had 50 employees out working and I had to pay them. And then I bill the client, but I don't get that money from the client for 30 days. And so within a month or two, I was hitting payroll issues because I didn't have the cash flow to be able to payroll. And so every day as I'm waiting to press the button on payroll, I'm hoping a check comes in. And so I thought, okay, I can't do this every week. So I went to my bank and we talked about, you know, credit lines and some of the things that I, maybe I should have thought of before I started a business, but I didn't know. So one of the other great lessons I learned that I pass on to entrepreneurs now is that having a good relationship with your bank is critical because when you need them to be there to support you, they have to know and understand and trust you as well so that they're able to uh, react quickly. So I got a line of credit, I was able to pay the employees. Whew, first hurdle that was over with. But these kind of things occurred a lot because there's a lot of things that you don't know until you're in it. And so I always tell people, go and do it. You, don't, you won't know what you need to fix until you run into it. Just be prepared to fix it or react to it. So that first year was so much fun and so many things that I didn't realize about uh, a business that you know just became part of my uh, tools that I had for moving forward and opening other locations. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And I think it's, it's such a great piece of advice because like you said, you really don't know what you're getting into until you just start. And so once you, once you go, you can figure it out, but it's hard to sort of plan for every little thing beforehand. Um, and you brought up sort of two, two great points there too, is, um, you know, you had said that you had a great, great career. And so it was sort of, you know, you weren't sure if you should take that, that leap into sort of a new venture. Um, do you have sort of any advice for someone who might be going through that? That as well. And then you also mentioned younger entrepreneurs have sort of a different, different challenges as well if they don't have the years of experience. So maybe some, some advice for that as well. Yeah. I mean, those are both two really uh, interesting things because to me, what I was giving up was potentially challenging. And so what I always tell businesses, young entrepreneurs, mature entrepreneurs, is that always have worst case scenario. So in my mind, The worst case scenario for this business idea, I didn't have to put a lot of upfront investment. So it was really a matter of if it didn't work, then I could go to work again for somebody else and have all this more experience to be able to offer them. So that was my worst case scenario. Have the backup plan. That's what I, that's the most important thing is know that if it does fall apart, that what is your plan? And so knowing that's your plan, you can go ahead and just try this with a little bit more abandonment or freedom. Um, Walking away from, you know, a good compensation package and things like that, in my mind, I had to say, if this is successful, I will exceed where I am today. And that will be the value of trying this. If I don't succeed, I can go to work somewhere else and make the same income again. And all I'll have lost is the initial investment I put into the business. So know that in your head is what I would say. Um, for young entrepreneurs and mature entrepreneurs, uh, mature is 
walking away from something potentially, but for young, you're not walking away from anything. And so it's somewhat easier in that, um, you know, there's maybe not family yet or not, uh, you know, costs associated with it. Um, maybe you're not in a great job that's paying really well. So some of those things that make it easier just to go and try it, what makes it harder is they don't have the tools, they don't have the life experiences, and they don't have the contact list. And so it almost balances itself out. You have less to lose when you're a young entrepreneur, but it'll be harder, I think, to be successful because you know even less than I did who thought I knew a lot and ended up not knowing as much as I thought. So either way, it's about what's in your heart um, that you feel strongly that you have a business that will be successful and why it will be successful. And then if that's the way you feel, to me, you have to try. You have to do that to say, at least I tried. Absolutely. And I mean, it's, it's like you said, too. I mean, if you think about sort of worst case scenario, there's always, you know, something to fall back on. And so if you have that plan, then, then you kind of just have to go for it. And speaking of sort of young entrepreneurs, you, I know that you're a mentor to young entrepreneurs and have worked with Epicenter. And um, would you just talk, like to talk a bit about, you know, how you got into this and sort of what um, made you want to sort of help those other business owners? Uh, sure. Yeah. So for me, when I started thinking about business, and I guess this is another element, but when I started to think about what was my um, future goals with the business, I started to look at what my options were. And so there's options to stay in the business and have some other team manage it. There's selling the business or there's folding the business. So those are the three ways you can go. And I started thinking about them um, for a lot of reasons, the landscape was changing of the business I was in. And so I was trying to think of what of those models is best. And I decided I was going to put it out into the universe that maybe I would look at buyers for the business and see how that process went. And so that was a two-year process. Super interesting for anybody that has a business to go through the meetings and the interviews and evaluating your business and all of those things. It's a very exciting part of business ownership. But Along with that journey, I started to think, but if I actually sold it, what would I do with my 60 hours a week that I'm working? And what would that look like for me to somebody that loves to be busy? And I didn't think that I could retire and be happy because I need to be active. And so it was kind of timely. I had uh, worked with the Epicenter in the past uh, with some of the people there and um, done uh, workshops and things like that. And so I knew of what they did and how well they did it and coincidentally saw a posting for an entrepreneur in residence, which is more like a consulting role. It's not an employed uh, job. And so I thought, oh, I should see what that's all about. And so it just really all worked out that they were looking for somebody and for a month after I sold my business. And so sometimes in life, timing is everything. And I thought, well, what I do day to day in recruitment industry, helping companies find employees, putting the two together was very similar to what the epicenter needed. And that was finding somebody to help entrepreneurs to complete their journey. So really trying to put two pieces of a puzzle together. And 
the other thing that I knew is I love young people. I love their enthusiasm. I love their ideas. I like their passion. It's really fun and exciting to be in that environment. And so all of those things um, went to work on the first day and thought, this is so much fun. And um, the people stories that I've gotten to hear, the successful businesses that um, I've seen start, it's really a wonderful uh, thing to do, wonderful gig to have in my semi-retirement. Yes, I, I love that. And, you know, it brings up a great point too, is, you know, if there is someone who's maybe looking for a mentor, um, you know, sort of how can they go about doing that? And also, is there sort of things that, you know, they should be considering to find that sort of right mentor mentee match? Yeah, it's a hard one. It's like almost anything where you're doing a one on one um, relationship that not every mentor is good with every mentee. Um, long ago, when I was in business, probably, I don't know, more than 10 years ago, I worked on a program that was kind of Canada wide and they put you in touch with people that were looking for some mentorship. And so I, I could see how unsuited I was for certain uh, types of startups and and how like some of the good relationships worked. And so it's really important that you as a business startup or a business entrepreneur startup, that you understand what you're looking for in a mentor. Sometimes it's just cheering you on and coaching you. And that was the mistake I think I made early on is thinking that everybody wanted more advice. And sometimes they don't. Sometimes they just need somebody to say, hey, you're doing a good job. You're heading in the right direction. Sometimes people want me to run their business for them, right? They just really don't want anything to do with it. They just, well, can you do that for me? And so it's helping them to understand how to own their business and the responsibilities going along with it. So as somebody looking for a mentor, I'd say understand what you're looking for so that you're able to communicate that. What I'd really like from you is this. And that way your mentor is more capable of providing you with the right type of um, feedback or input for your specific business. But it's a very uh, personal relationship a lot. Mm-hmm, definitely. And I think that's, you know, a great point and great thing for people to really think about if they are going in to find a mentor there. And, you know, you have worked with a lot of entrepreneurs and is there sort of one common barrier that you see a lot of entrepreneurs when first starting their business or maybe a challenge that you overcame yourself starting up your business? Well, one of the things I see a lot now, and so it's a, it's generation, generationally different. And so uh, it's, a, it's a different environment of the people and, and the world that they're living in. So one of the things I found, and I was going to say it earlier when we were talking, and then I kind of lost it, but is the um, failure to launch is what I really call it, is that a lot of people get so caught up in the idea of a business that they just keep changing the idea and the scope and they never actually launch the business. And sometimes that's fear and sometimes it's because they're just idea people. They, and I don't wanna say this unkindly, but they don't wanna do the hard work that it takes to actually run the business. Um, I heard a lot of people say, well, I'm not really a salesman. Like if you're starting a business, you better figure that out quickly. Because I don't think a lot of people are salespeople, but if you're an entrepreneur, you need to know how to communicate your product, how to sell it, how to talk about it. And so I think a lot of people think I'm going to launch this business, but I'm not really good at all these things. And so they don't end up starting the business. So I think 
that's one of the things failure to launch. I always say, take your idea and just do it. Start the business, figure out what you don't know as you move along. Don't invest a lot of money in the beginning so that you can see if it's really needed before you go. A lot of people will spend thousands of dollars on inventory of a product that doesn't sell. And so I just say, do it slow steps, but launch it, start the business, see how it works. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think that's, it's such a great point and it's interesting sort of seeing those different aspects of entrepreneurs and especially when they do have to wear those different hats, sometimes you're going to have to do some of those, you know, different roles that maybe aren't, aren't your best, but it's something you got to learn. I just want to say like, and further to that is interesting. So sales, I mean, I'm a service person, customer service. I love people, but I hated sales and the structure of it. And I remember my first month in business, like just saying every day I had to go out for two to three hours and make so many calls. And I hated it. Like, I can't even tell you how much I didn't like it, but how much it uncovered and how much business I was able to find by meeting people face to face and having those conversations. And so sometimes the very thing that you hate doing or you think you're not good at is the thing that's going to drive your success. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I think it's a great point. And, you know, sort of leaning lean with, uh, again, with the success, has there been sort of one really big pivotal moment, um, you know, looking back on your business journey or even helping other businesses that really stands out to you? Hmm. I, there's so many, like when you're an entrepreneur, there's so many moments through that experience that, you know, Picking one is hard. Your first employee, um, uh, my first paycheck. It was funny. I was telling somebody this the other day. The first check I got from a customer, I you know I have it to this day in my photo album. And I said, take a picture of it, celebrate it. This is the first thing that says it's real. Like celebrating all your moments. Um, for me, expanding. Like we got into a real difficult year, 2008. Very difficult year, and um, we were doing really well. And um, kind of the market crashed. And so things were happening all around. And I thought, well, I can either like just groan and get through this, or I can use this downtime to do something really exciting. So I did a complete rebranding of my business and I opened a second location. And so I think what I'm trying to say is that when negative things happen, find that positive spin. And I think that's been for me, what kind of kept me going through a lot of challenges as that when things were down, trying to find what was good about it and then embracing that and doing something with it. Mm -hmm. And I think we're definitely seeing that a lot right now too, with the pandemic, with a lot of businesses and, you know, seeing how entrepreneurs are taking it and some are, you know, really able to, you know, find different avenues and and really pivot during this time. So it's interesting to sort of see when moments come out of, out of those sort of down times. Exactly. And how you can be a leader in those difficult times is, and so I think for a lot of businesses with us, different legislation would come down and it would be business numbing. It could almost take away your business model completely. And so a lot of my competitors would wait for, you know, direction from the government or direction from our governing body. And I would just sit down and think, okay, how do we get ahead of this? How can we define this and do something about it and have a plan? even if it changes again. So I think that's what it's all about is, is, you know, trying to be a leader, trying to be better than the competition, trying to 
be ahead of the curve, if you will. And so with the pandemic, for some businesses, the idea is not only have they pivoted and changed and added things, but they may have pivoted their business forever because they've actually uncovered that their business operates better using some of the new tools that they found today. So that's what I'm talking about is doing that kind of thinking instead of the negative thinking about all the things you can't do. Absolutely. Cause there definitely has been a lot that, yeah, they have a whole new Avenue now, or, you know, they found a new solution to a problem they didn't even know they had. So it is interesting to, you know, see, see those sort of evolutions go on. And I'm, I'm also curious, you know, if there is sort of one key takeaway that you'd really learned from running your own business um, or learned about yourself during that time. So I think what was really interesting to me, and again, I managed a business. And so as a manager, I had these relationships with the team and I feel like I had really great relationships and it was very easy to be a good manager and do all the right things. And when I started my own business, it's lonely being an entrepreneur because um, some of the things that you would vent about as an employee, you can't vent about as an owner and you have nobody to go to that's higher than you that you're the top and so it's lonely at the top it's hard to um, have the same kind of relationships with your team because you're you own the business and so there's no blaming head office or there's no right so it it was a very different dynamic and one that I found a little bit isolating and so uh, that's a hard thing of it and what I realized is I had to create my network outside of my work environment and so, hence, a lot of the community involvement and things I did, the things that I got involved in, because then you're operating with um, people, like, at a different level, that they're not, you know, employees or coworkers. So, uh, it's one of those things that I wasn't aware would happen, and, and I struggled with a bit. Mm-hmm. So, one of the things I say to people now to overcome that is to either have an advisory board or to have a mentor again, a business advisor that you're meeting with on a regular basis that you can vent and have these discussions with. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, th- I think that's a great piece of advice. And, you know, especially now too, there has been a lot of, I mean, they're virtual, but a lot of networking opportunities, especially for sort of entrepreneurs and resources in the area that people can go to for those. So that's always, you know, great to see those as well, especially during this time and for entrepreneurs. And you talked about there too, about, you know, getting involved in the community, which you, you have a lot of involvement there. And one of the initiatives I was curious about is the 100 Women Who Care and sort of, you know, how you got involved in this and, um, you know, just a bit about the initiative. Sure. Yeah. I love telling the story because I think it's a, it's a story of what you can do, right? When you, when you, when you choose to uh, do something that it can work. So I was uh, working and I had a London branch and my London branch manager said, oh, I went to this meeting in London of 100 women who care. It's a really cool idea. We're the second location in Canada to start a chapter. I think you should start one in Windsor. And so um, my first thought was, I don't really need anything else to do. I've got my 60 or 70 hours a week, but I love that she said that she said it was really inspiring to her. So I went to London and went to a meeting. And when you sit in a room like this, you all of a sudden realize it's so much bigger than yourself and the good that you can do as a single human being. So I came back and I thought, I think I can do this, but I really want to do it with a partner. And I really, just like when you're an entrepreneur, what kind of partner do I need that will 
be different than me, but bring something different to the um, to the table. So I met Liz Ferrano. She's the vice president, Douglas Marketing, and uh, great lady. She has marketing. She has all of that background that you would need to be able to start a website and social and all those kind of things. And so she and I decided to go into it together. We put together, uh, like we sent out an invite just to see if this would float in Windsor. Invited, I think, 80 women to come and hear about 100 Women Who Care. And I think 75 people showed up. And so what it is 100 Women that makes it amazing is that you walk into a room and you can nominate a charity that you know of, a local charity. And once you nominate them, we put all the nominations in a hat. And in this one hour meeting, we uh, get together, we socialize, we draw three charities' names out of the hat. And the person who nominated them speaks about the charity and what they do. And at the end of those three presentations, the, all the women in the room vote for one of those charities. And whichever one has the most votes, every single woman in the room writes a $100 check. So in one hour, we raised $10,000 for a local charity. And we do that four times a year. So the idea is incredible. And like everybody always says, I never realized that charity even existed. I never even knew that problem existed. And so you feel tears in the room. I said people are crying with, you know, using their handkerchief with one hand and writing their check with another. So no planning. No meals, no silent auctions. The room is donated. There's no overhead, like no, nothing's paid for. There's no, we, we volunteer our time, Liz and I, and Chantal, and um, the women donate the money. So that's the concept of it. So we launched 100 Women in February 2013. We're now in our eighth year. We've raised, I think, $600,000 for local charities. It's incredible. And it's all by the women who just write their checks that we're not doing these big events. It's a wonderful idea. And I'm really honored to be associated with it. And we, I think, are at 170 members. So from day one, it's just continued to grow. Some people leave, uh, some new ones come, but we just keep growing. It's a wonderful, it's a wonderful organization. Wow. Yeah, that, that's amazing. And I mean, like you said, it's it's great to sort of see the impact of that when everyone comes together. And um, yeah, I was so curious. And so that's that's such an incredible initiative that was able to start. And, you know, where can people go if they would like to get involved with this? So it's 100womenwindsor.com. So you can, everything, all the information is there. Um, the nice thing is what we find is uh, it's the demographic is young, old, people in business, homemakers, like everybody. A lot of people come with a friend and it's like a night out. So they come for an hour to this meeting, do this incredibly great work and then go out for dinner or go out for a coffee or a glass of wine afterwards. So it's like kind of a night out uh, for the women uh, four times a year. So 100womenwindsor.com. That's incredible. And I think that, you know, it's, it's such an inspiring concept and, you know, innovation that was able to come to. So it's great that there is, oh, you know, that support. Yeah. And I didn't say, so we were the third chapter in Canada, right? Yeah. And there's now over 300 chapters in Canada across the country. Wow. In the past eight years, you said? In the past eight years. And so, and a couple of them, so they'd come to a meeting here in Windsor. Uh, with their mother and go back to Vancouver and start a chapter. 
Like it just spreads because of people that know people. So that's what I mean by the power of women that by, you know, a hundred women getting together in Toronto, uh, then London, then Windsor, there's now 300 chapters raising money for local charities. Mm-hmm. It, that's incredible. And, and again, too, also like the power of connection and networking that, you know, it really does make. So that, that's amazing. One question that, you know, I always love to ask um, people is, you know, if you had sort of one piece of advice that you would give to someone who's thinking of starting a business or maybe just starting up their business right now, what would that be? Well, I think the most important thing is because if you're going to start a business, you're going to, so, or you're not going to. And so, I think the most important thing is that enjoy the journey. Remember the moments you, you get caught up in things, the events and the business and the product and all those things, and you forget why you're in it. And so I think, you know, enjoying every single moment that happens in your business from your, you know, first check to your first failure to all the things in between um, you're getting an opportunity to do what, millions of people wish they could do and that's running their own business so enjoy it and uh, remember it and celebrate it whenever you have a chance thanks for listening to made it happen podcast the podcast highlighting female entrepreneurs make sure you subscribe to the channel leave a review and i'll see you next week